Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, everybody. Prophet is Dawn here, and I want to welcome you once again to Moore's Ark, where you know here is where God dwells, where Jesus reigns, the Holy Spirit guides, and we live in the agape. Amen. And agape, yes, unconditional love. You get unconditional love over here, not just by words, but in deed. I thank and praise God for anointing me with the ability to love and empower me with his love. Amen. And so uh, lately I've been telling people my love is unconditional, but access to me from now on (laughs) is going to be conditional and very much contingent upon uh, your level of respect towards me and consideration, uh, you know, concerning me. Amen. And when I tell you making that declaration and incorporating that into my core values has been liberating. It it has been, um, I don't know, magical (laughs) in my life because I tell you, it has cut down on so much drama. You know, you try to accommodate and appease people uh, and meet their expectations all the while, all the while allowing people to cross boundaries and, and, you know, to just overstep, um, you know. But anyway, that's not what I came over here to talk about. I came to encourage somebody. Uh, I know that... In my life, at least over the last couple of months, um, you know, I have been enduring intermittent uh, warfare. And and even though I say it's intermittent, it doesn't mean that it is not intense and that it has not been overwhelming. (laughs) It just means that it's been sporadic and and, and inconsistent untraceable in a sense, right? And um, I know that if the enemy is anything like I know that he is, right? Which I know he is. He is a creature of habit. And if he's interrupting my life, I know he's interrupting some of y'all's. So I wanted to come on and Uh, Just be an encouragement. Uh, Just share a a light little word that God has given me and kind of get caught up so you guys can know what's going on over here, you know, in my neck of the woods. And hopefully, you know, I'll learn and understand what's going on with you all. I know that I've put out quite a few uh, podcasts and I've noticed that the listenership has been increasing lately and I I love it I love it but I want to have more interaction Uh, so I need y'all to let me know that y'all listening and that you hear what I'm saying and if it's relevant to some of the things that you're going through I thank God for the opportunity I love him for the platform and if I can reach one if I can encourage one then I am grateful 
uh, for the privilege to serve. Amen. So anyway, I wanted to come on today. Uh, I know I haven't been on in a while and I've been saying time and time again, I'm going to get on and I just need to refocus my priorities and I you know I just have to be honest I say this every time and I I would hate to go back and listen to some of my past podcasts because that has been the consistent uh, theme of my challenges throughout this this journey of you know being used in this way is that I have to prioritize this as as a, a you know focus of minds and I'm such a procrastinator, you know, when it comes to getting uh, getting these out. I got so much to say, I'm telling you, I got so much to say, you know, uh, but it, it takes me a while, you know, to kind of put materials together and make sure that I'm hearing from God and, and you know, when I'm dealing with this day-to-day, you know, sometimes it kind of backs me up. But anyway, all right, so let me get started. I'm going to share with you all just a few little updates, what's going on with me. And like I said, eventually, I would love for this to be more interactive. I want to know what's going on out here in the kingdom, what God is doing uh, in the lives of his people, especially during this uh, pandemic. Uh, There's been a lot of social distancing, and, and we are... We need that connection. We are social beings. As much as we are spiritual, we are social. That's why I feel like these people are going crazy out here in this world. Every other day, it seems like I'm hearing about an altercation or something's being filmed where people are just out of their minds, just acting crazy for no reason. But anyway, let me share this. So, I have begun a journey to uh, publish my first book, and I know I've mis- mentioned it in one of my podcasts before, and the name of the book is Diary of a Not-So-Mad Black Woman, The Art of Corporate Warfare. And in this book, I endeavor to uh, share many of my experiences, but with the objective of helping others like me to learn to navigate their way through uh, some of the challenges in corporate America that minorities face. Uh, so um, it's, it's, it's a little ratchet, you know, a little raunchy, you know, professional. And I add some tools and techniques that I've learned over the years. Um, and I am working with uh, some professionals to kind of help me to bring things together. Uh, when I started this journey uh, almost five or seven years ago, I wanted to kind of develop something that was patterned after or influenced by uh, my jump program. Uh, and, and some of you have heard me talk about the JUMP program, which is JUMP, Start, Unemployed, and Underemployed Minorities into Position. And so I wanted to create something uh, similar to that that would take uh, my real-life experiences and give solutions for how individuals can kind of navigate, like I said, 
through some of those challenges and succeed. The whole purpose is, is learning how to succeed, you know, in and, and, and those types of environments. And so I started the journey, started writing things out, and, and, you know, after a while, I kind of put it to the side, and then I picked it back up a few months ago, and I reached out to um, an editor, uh, a writer, to kind of help me. To kind of help me with um, building this out. And so um, she kind of worked with me uh, to pull together some research and some data and some information. And she embedded it and incorporated it into uh, my content. And so I started walking through it, editing it, and, and adding more stories of my experience and uh, pulling more tools in that I felt like could help. And so uh, I had been taking that approach and I reached out to uh, a few leaders that I have worked with in the past to ask them to you know, help me write the foreword for my book or, or to have words of encouragement that could be published in my book. And I reached out to one of my bosses and he actually connected me with um, someone who had just recently published a book. And as a matter of fact, this guy is a former uh, CIO of multiple Fortune 500 and Fortune 50 uh, companies and um, eventually, after so many years of functioning in that capacity, he decided he wanted to start up his own business. Uh, so he has a very lucrative um, uh, IT firm uh, that deals with, um, you know, technology um, and small to mid-sized businesses. And and he had written a book uh, to help these businesses uh, build their technology model, their their uh, infrastructure, and uh, to build the roadmap for, um, you know, their future technology so that they can keep up pace with what's going on uh, in the IT industry. So anyway, great book. And as a matter of fact, the name of the book is Tech Debt 2.0. And it is written by a guy named Michael uh, Filios. Filios. F as in Frank. I-L-L-I-O-S as in Sam. And uh, he had written the book. But anyway, (laughs) he agreed to meet with me to talk me through the lessons that he learned uh, in his journey and Um, you know, to give me some advice on how to um, proceed with my book. And it was, it was a great conversation. He gave me so much insight. Uh, But what's significant about that meeting is that at the, (laughs) uh, at the end of the meeting, he had offered to me uh, access to his network. And one of the things that he shared with me is that when writing his book, he had to develop a team. Uh, that he knew and understood his um, strengths and his weaknesses 
And so he built a team around him that was able to complement his weaknesses and to help to drive this book forward uh, successfully. So anyway, he gave me some insight, connected me with a few of his resources. So now I am working with um, his marketing uh, strategist, um, who is an African-American lady who she recently moved to Ireland. So I'm so grateful, you know, with the different time zones that she's even considered taking me up, you know, as a project uh, to kind of help me out. And I'm also working with uh, his his writer, his editor uh, for his book. And she and I um, um, are kind of collaborating <laughs> on a plan for how to move forward. Uh, but after my conversation with him, I kind of shifted uh, a little bit of the approach that I wanted to take with um, continuing to write this book. And so that's going to push my release date out, which is fine, uh, because I'd rather do it right than to, you know, be rushed in doing it. And also with the connections that he's given me, I mean, these women have given me so many wonderful ideals about, you know, the potential of this content and this topic and where we can go with it and what we can do. Uh, so I am so inspired uh, by all of this. But anyway, by the end of this week, I'm supposed to have uh, my book completed to the place of a, you know, of a solid draft. Uh, so that the editor can take a look at it. And she's going to go through, comb through the document, and then give me an action plan uh, for what I need to do on next steps. And and so uh, she's going to help me have my voice <laughs> because I, I know my story, and I know that it is a story worth being told and worth being heard, and it can help other people. But I am not a great storyteller. Uh, Unfortunately, I did not pick up the gene that my dad has. My dad was a wonderful storyteller. He he was very engaging, extremely charismatic. Uh, You know, he's a wonderful storyteller. You could listen to him for hours. And my mother as well. My mother, you know, I just enjoy listening to her, you know, share her life experiences and her stories, and 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 they got it down. But <laughs> I don't think, you know, I picked up that gene, you know, at least from my perspective. I'm a little foreign, so I'm going to definitely leverage her uh, to help me find my voice and to uh, make the book more attractive, entertaining, you know, and and a good read. Okay, so. You all pray for me uh, because that's what I'm working on and um, I I know it's going to help. I know it's going to help. And every day, let me tell you, when I thought that I had enough content and material and experience to make a whole book, I got folk (laughs) acting. And so I get more content and more, you know, information to add. And I'm, I'm going to share that story with you all, too, uh, which is kind of what led me to uh, needing some encouragement myself. And as uh, in tune as I am 
with my ministry or my misery being a part of my ministry, uh, I know that if I'm going through, baby, somebody that's going to hear this is going through <laughs> and they're going to get encouraged because we are we are victorious. But anyway, I'm going to share, I'm going to share, um, uh, you know, what's been going on. But anyway, so I got the book going. I want you all to pray with me about that. And once I release the book, I'm going to have a virtual release party. My girls already said they're going to, you know, help me uh, do the little party and everything. So I want y'all to join me, even if it has to be virtually or, or, you know, hopefully when COVID is over, we can get together and shake hands and I can sign some books. All right. The other thing that's going on with me, um, you all know I've been doing this life coaching and, and trying to gain some momentum and I'm, I'm telling you I just I, I keep hearing the Lord say pastor 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 you know he wants me to pastor the flock and disciple and 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 to be you know that that um, support uh, for the body of Christ in that capacity so I, I know that's what he wants uh, so I've been doing it somewhat by way of you know this life coaching uh, and trying to help people and you all uh, know that my life coaching is centered around uh, cognitive behavioral therapy as well as um, uh, neural linguistic reprogramming and it, it might sound to the naked ear and especially other people in the health industry uh, as oxymoronic right you take those two um, uh, disciplines or those two uh, ideals or principles and you associate them with religion or spirituality and and uh, logic will say that they're totally uh, contradictory or adverse to one another but that's not so true you know um, but anyway I believe every good thing is built from the foundation of uh, you know, the biblical foundations that God has given us, and I can trace back the things that I have learned, the principles that I have learned to some sort of biblical substance, um, or else I don't even fool with it. You know, there are some pieces or components of, of um, <clears throat> these philosophies, per, per se, that I don't agree with, I don't get down with them, and I don't encourage them as I coach others, but uh, but anyway, so I'm doing the life coaching, uh, and I have decided that I'm going to um, try to re-kick off and launch that jump program, uh, so I want to do that, so I currently have a uh, small business development coach who's been working with me, and, and we've only had one session so far. First thing he told me, he said, you all over the place. You got too many uh, ideals. You got some good ideals, but you got too too much. Your, your focus is all over. So you need to, you know, reel yourself in and, and, and to get your focus straight. And so um, right now, our goal is to build a business model around uh, the program uh, under the Moss Ark 
Agape Life Center. Uh, so we want to kind of build a business model that is, uh, I guess, consistent or congruent with, uh, you know, professional development, professional, personal, spiritual development, uh, so that we can be focused uh, and, and be able to execute. Uh, he, he told me in our first session, he said, look, don't put any more effort into cultivating your program, building it out. Don't, don't, don't even read your plans. Don't even look at it. He said, because your focus needs to be on learning to develop a sustainable business because that's where your lack is. That's why you cannot execute and your, your, your program is not long lasting because you, you lack that piece. And so he said, you know, I've never implemented an IT initiative, but I have run and uh, built multiple businesses over, check this out, 40 years. <laughs> so I know a little something about building businesses. So this needs to be our focus. And I just thank God. I thank God for the connection. I didn't expect um, that he would kind of take me in this direction. Uh, but it is it's great. It's awesome. And I am being led. I'm following. I'm open to learning. Um, and I just, I'm so grateful. So y'all look out for that. It's, it is coming. It is coming. Um, and I wanted to say something else about that book uh, that we're doing. Uh, I know that with as a part of that action plan that's being put together for me uh, with the editor as well as the marketing strategist, she's putting some stuff together for me as well. They want me to start writing these blogs. Um, so the editor, she's going to go through and start pulling out some key topics and have me to start writing articles, you know, maybe every week or every couple of weeks. So I look forward to that. I look forward to... Like I say, like I said, sharing my experiences and also uh, sharing my uh, knowledge, things that can actually practically help, you know, because I'm, I'm so sick of all of this abstract and, you know, philosophical, you know, ideology, I, I, you know, it, stuff that don't work, that's way over our heads that we cannot put to practice, you know, that stuff just gets on my nerves. Um, so I'm trying to shift the balance. I'm trying to shift the balance. All right, so what else am I talking about? What else going on with me? Oh, yes, thank God. Yes, yes, yes. I have started collecting doll houses, y'all. Doll houses and dolls, and I'm, I'm just loving it. I think it was maybe uh, March or April sometime. I was just talking to my baby my youngest daughter and I was saying how I really wanted to start uh, start collecting these dollhouses and I had in my mind you know kind of what I wanted and I, I went over and I showed her an area of my room and I said I want it to be here and I wanted it to be this high and this tall and all of that and so needless to say I in the month of August of 2020, just towards the end of the month, I have acquired four 
Bauhauses. And of those four, I've gotten one that's really huge. And it really, uh, one day it caught me off guard because I looked at it and I said, you know what? This is the dollhouse I had in mind when I first said I desired to start uh, collecting them. And look at God. I mean, he opened up a door and I had no idea uh, when I first thought about this that I would actually have my desires met. So I am so, so grateful. And if y'all following me on Facebook, You'll see some pictures of my dollhouses, but I'm going to tell you, pictures don't do them no justice. Um, I love looking, you know, touching them and everything else. I love these dollhouses. But what I found is that with the dollhouses, I got the little antique dollhouses. And um, the vintage dolls, they don't have any of this African-American really. And some of the ones that's African-American, you know, they, they don't look attractive. And then on top of that, uh, they don't have the, you know, like the working body parts, like the joints and stuff like that. But anyway, uh, I'm on a journey to change that and, and turn that around. Uh, I have acquired uh, about, what, 11 or 12 porcelain dolls, beautiful porcelain dolls, and, and some of these are collectibles um, that, I've, that I've gotten, and I'm talking about this has all been since March or April of this year, <laughs> from me saying that I wanted to get started doing this, and God has just really blessed exceedingly abundantly above all <laughs> that I can imagine. I, I never even thought through it uh, to, to, to see myself here, but anyway, my dolls are all white, so I took one of them and I turned it into a little chocolate doll, and um, I, I learned afterwards <laughs> that my method that I used with the paint uh, was not the best method, and, and I'm learning, so uh, I, I, I'm going to try to do another one uh, with the techniques that I've learned and uh, and see how that worked. But anyway, I also got uh, a collector's um, collector's items of, of going with the wind. A uh, bunch of dolls. Uh, I think I think the guy gave me about eleven of these dolls, and then a porcelain uh, Rhett Butler doll. Uh, but I got even uh, Hattie McDaniel. Uh, I got her dial, uh, so I'm just, I'm, I'm loving it. I am loving it. God is opening up doors, and I am determined to do something about this uh, no black dial or black dial shortage. And so I, um, I reached out to a dial maker, and I shared with her my interest in making more dials that look like us. And, you know, it, it just, it was such a a, um, you know, just defining moment in my life when I sat down and I really thought through, you know, the era that um, these dolls came from, you know, where where my grandmother would have been a, a young child, you know, my grandma, my grandmothers, you know, and then my mother growing up being a young child, not having any representation 
you know, you, you playing with dolls and you ain't got no black dolls? You know, that didn't make sense. And then the little black ones that you had looked like black face with big red lips or, or you know, just looked horrible, okay? So it, it it's, it's insignificant in some ways, but it's very significant in the fact that they were going through all that they went through. Couldn't even be a kid. Couldn't even ex- experience the, the, the most common um, uh, recreational activity of a kid, of a little girl, you know, which is playing with doll houses. Even though when I was growing up, I wasn't one that really liked dolls, you know. But anyway, I'm going to leave that alone. But anyway, back to the doll maker. So I reached out to her and I shared with her uh, that I want to... I want to change those dynamics. I want to start looking into uh, these little miniature uh, dolls that are vintage. And I want to uh, have some black dolls. And uh, so she she does custom doll making. And her dolls uh, retail anywhere from, I looked on her page, her dolls were like $395 to $500 and something. I said, whoa, <laughs> wait a minute. Um, you know, I still want to see it, but my goodness. But she does custom dolls and she helps, you know, she'll help people to learn how to build those dolls. So my goal is to, uh, once a month, uh, buy the kit to create the dolls, paint the dolls uh, to reflect our color, um, and then start giving them out. I want to give them out every month. And, and these are not dolls to be played with. You know, they're more collectibles because they're custom dolls. So uh, I purchased my first two kits. And so I plan on uh, working on those and getting them done uh, and then just giving them away. Like I said, I, I want to build, uh, you know, just, just some opportunity for some heirlooms to be passed down. I'm still working on my grandbaby's um, dollhouse because I had the bright plan that I was going to create a dollhouse for my grandbaby uh, before her birthday. <laughs> Well, her birthday has passed, and um, I actually purchased her a, a similar dial house, but I'm still working on the build of her, you know, dial house, because I, I think that's going to be something that's significant to her when she get older, you know, knowing that her, her grandma, her Moa, created her a dial house, um, you know, but I'm, I'm teetering back and forth on whether or not I want to scrap what I've already done and get me a kit uh, or if I want to go ahead and finish with what I did. But these kits are phenomenal. And it's so funny because when I first started this journey of creating that, um, building that dollhouse, my husband told me I need to get a kit. And, you know, sometimes he just be saying stuff at the wrong time. And I always got an opinion. So <laughs> I just completely rejected it. And that's part of the reason that I'm not so quick to get rid of everything. Because I'm like, yeah, he's going to be like, I told you, you said I did, I can't. But anyway, 
Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm going back and forth with that, but I'm going I'm to finish it for sure, no matter what I'm going to get. So anyway, that's what's going on with me. Y'all tell me what's going on with y'all. And I'm going to end this part of the segment, and I'm going to come back and give you my confession. <laughs> my confession. Coming up next. Love you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm back. I'm back. Um, It's funny because I took a little pause between the introduction and finishing this out um, earlier today. I, I actually started this podcast maybe early in the afternoon uh, today, and I've got my nieces here visiting me from Detroit. And so I took some time and spent some time with them. They're just little babies, four and five years old. My little Juju and J-Lo are here, along with my older nieces. I believe they're 14, 13, and 12. My Artea, Courtney, and Elena, they all came to visit here from Detroit, but the big girls went to my baby daughter's house and the little bitty babies are with me. So anyway, needless to say, I took a few minutes to spend some time with them and now it is evening and uh, I put them to bed and, well, I put them to bed, but they actually in there watching Word Party and um, so I can finish. (laughs) I can finish where I left off and uh, I didn't mean to go so long earlier so look looks like that's about a 30 minute um intro (laughs) i may chop it up i may not but um either way i'm gonna do a part two uh to this word of encouragement but i want to finish getting my thoughts out amen um and i promised i was gonna come back and confess confess give my confession Hopefully it can help somebody. I feel like uh, Usher tonight. These are my confessions. (laughs) You know, I got this confession I got to make. I just been telling everybody. Um, Anyway, so earlier this year, I started a job with a new company. I've been uh, consulting with them and I'm working for one of their major clients uh, here in uh, Cincinnati and um, been working with them and, and uh, had a, a pretty decent run with them so far. Uh, not many complaints, but maybe a few, and I'll share those uh, as well. But anyway, came into the position expecting it to be a contract to hire position. And I shared on the earlier podcast, I learned real soon uh, after I started that that was not the case. And um, I had a, a real candid and extremely transparent conversation with the lady that I report into and shared with her 
you know, what my expectations were coming in the door, but that things didn't seem, you know, as if they were going in that direction. And so I wanted to understand uh, and level set what her expectations were and and, and what uh, the future held for me within this organization. After speaking with her, uh, we discuss the fact that the program that I'm rolling out for them, uh, that I'm assisting them with rolling out, uh, would produce a few functional roles. And one of those roles was a program manager position. So they needed someone to manage the program. And and so she felt that I would be a good fit for that. And, and so she offered me an opportunity to apply uh, for that position. Uh, and I and I believe at the time she had the best of intentions with me uh, with that position. And so just to give you a little background on um, this role and my function, I was brought in to uh, to be a project manager, a program manager for rolling out this uh, new, part of their VMO, uh, their um, uh, vendor management office, they, they're standing up a uh, resource management office. So they needed to build out their business infrastructure, including their end-to-end processes, their roles and responsibilities, um, their Um, standard operating procedures, and just really pretty much design and defining uh, this new business function within their organization. And so because of my experience in the past, I was able to quickly come in and and assist them uh, in a greater capacity than just managing them to task or leading this initiative uh, to uh, implementation or through implementation. Uh, so what I what I found was there were uh, quite some uh, there were a lot of gaps in their um, skill set when it came to actually rolling out a program of this magnitude. So I knew and understood that. And I'm, I'm kind of slow talking because I want to see it the right way. <laughs> uh, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get real transparent in my book, trust me, you know, but but here I want to be a little sensitive, you know, to the ears of those who may hear this in the future. But anyway, while being honest, right? So, uh, in my role and just part of my personality and my character, um, I wanted to see this team succeed. So where I saw that they were struggling, I began to give a helping hand. Uh, so for instance, uh, the team didn't have um, the skill set to be very analytical and analyzing the needs and objectives of the function and clearly solutioning to, you know, their, their processes and operations. So I kind of jumped in and, and, and helped out. And so in doing that, I became the um, owner of certain tasks. Uh, 
And I, I came in and I knew and understood that they didn't have the skill set to build out or implement a full-blown communications plan. And with the rollout of an initiative uh, such as this, I knew that it was imperative that they had a clear, concise, and actionable uh, organizational change management plan. So, so I kind of jumped in and, and again, uh, was assigned the responsibility of taking that on, which is more congruent with my function as the program manager or project manager uh, is to build out the plan, not necessarily uh, um, do the task, but to build out the plan and kind of uh, move the initiative forward. Anyway, I began to feel as if things were being just thrown my way. You know, everything that they did not know how to do, they began to throw up my way. And I was okay with it because anybody who knows me know I'll put on multiple hats and I'll do what's needed, you know, uh, to, to succeed and to be successful. But the problem with that, and I've found this throughout my career, is that when I walk in the door, uh, people already assume uh, by way of their implicit biases that I'm the help. So what they do is they try to minimize my role to that of something administrative, you know. And uh, I always battle with that and always fight against that, but it's almost like I'm fighting against my own character and personality because, you know, I'm such a servant leader. I roll up my sleeves and I help, but for the wrong people that will send the wrong message, right? For people who, who, uh, well, I'm not going to go there because I said I was going to be nice. Um, but anyway, so I started finding that they were taking for granted the amount of effort that I was putting into uh, kind of helping them to define and design uh, this function. And so it got to the point where <clears throat> I was soliciting each of the team members for information and they either didn't have the full picture or the knowledge to be the experts that I needed to feed me the content or they just completely, you know, blew blew me off, right? So what happened was I started just building from logically, okay, what makes sense? What makes sense? So this began to take on a lot of effort for me to kind of like fill in the gaps. Now, mind you, I came into the role, I believe uh, that I was brought in to kind of drive the team. And again, this is indicative of the, um, I would say, and I don't know any other way to say it, but the inadequate leadership uh, capabilities of uh, their leader. She she wasn't able to get her team uh, to to mobilize and do what was needed. So she brought me in <laughs> as as the stopgap or or as the you know the the prod or or you know the one to kind of drive them uh, the cattle prod you know. And so because I am so adverse to 
uh, politics and office politics. I try to stay so far away from it, but I knew what was going on. So I felt more compelled to fill in some of those gaps uh, with the team because really, to be honest, I I feel like um, this program that they're trying to implement is really in its infancy and beta stage where a lot of people think that it there has been some adoption but there hasn't so the fear for me is if we did not do well implementing if i didn't supplement the areas where they lack uh that there would be a level of visibility brought to this program that would collapse it all the way and and they would you know, just just uh, decide not to move forward. And, you know, for me as a consultant, of course, I don't want that to happen. Anyway, so fast forward. I've been there. I'm working, you know, day in, day out, and continuing to try to assist the team and, and do whatever. And finally, I come to a point where I realize that not only am I this cattle prod, you know, from one perspective, uh, the, um, the help, (laughs) you know, doing everybody's work that they don't know how to do, but, you know, just being nice, you know, trying to be nice. Uh, and, and finally I realized I'm the scapegoat too. (laughs) So a lot of things that were not being done, uh, to the expectations of, you know, the, the, the highest level of authority, uh, from my view, uh, um, from my hierarchy, I guess is what I'm trying to say within that, within that, uh, VMO, uh, when her expectations were not being met, I, I didn't know, but I was being thrown under the bus, um, kind of behind my back, you know, but, but that's okay. Cause that's not even where I have an issue. Because I understand, you know, people in their lack of maturity, they do that. And in their fear, you know, they they do that kind of thing. And I'm, I'm the easiest, you know, I'm the easiest to kind of throw out there. But anyway, find out I'm the scapegoat and I'm feeling some kind of way about it. And, then, you know, had a, a um, you know, just kind of a blatant, situation where um, I was being undermined and uh, you know it, it was it was something that wasn't even necessary so I, I kind of challenged the person and anyway it helped to uncover that there were you know some serious dysfunction amongst this team and very soon after which as a matter of fact maybe the next day (laughs) one of the young ladies that I had been working with since I started there just abruptly left she just abruptly left the position uh, that she had she was in a different area not under the program but very much associated with uh, she she was a a, um, um, what's the word I'm trying to cross-functional she was a part of the cross-functional team but anyway so she left so that was a that was a uh um red flag right there and so still I'm being strong alone you know hey 
I feel like you're going to be great for this role and I want you to apply for it. And I went through the process. And when I tell you I went through a process, <laughs> they have you do a, a assessment test and then you got to do uh, four hours of interviews and things like that. So I went through all of that and I had accepted the uh the behavior or the boundaries being crossed uh, by uh, these people who, again, they still piling it on, stuff they don't want to do, let's hand it off to Dawn. And if it don't get done, let's say that, you know, it was her responsibility and, you know, so forth. I'm knowing this and I'm still dealing with it like I always do because I'm like, Lord, once, (laughs) once I get my foot in the door, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to help them see, you know, the lessons learned and, and, and help them to do better. But I just didn't have, I didn't feel like I had the level of influence, you know, especially as a consultant, you know, you speak up and you can speak out the door. How about that? Um, anyway, so I go through this entire process and all up until the time that I interviewed Uh, with the young lady that I'm working directly with her boss things were going well but then when I interviewed with her I knew from the interview there was something going on I knew it I knew it and so mind you I'm doing a lot of the behind the scenes work the girl who was working with me she's out front Um, And I'm never about credit or ego or anything like that. But the reality was that I was doing a lot of the grunt work. And, you know, she was interfacing and doing a lot of things and keeping me out of conversations, you know, with certain people and not allowing me to engage and using the excuse that, you know, you're a consultant, so we can't, you know, have you here. But basically, she was managing me out and she was playing a political game that I... I mean, this this one, (laughs) I've never even seen it coming because I was so... Um, I, I I just felt so sorry for her and I was so excited, you know, to see uh, this young lady, she's Hispanic, in her role and I wanted to undergird her and help her so that she could maintain her position again because I had insight into things, you know, from a different view than what she could see. So, you know, I let my guard all the way down. I did not know this child was, you know, (laughs) you know, throwing me under the bus, got the daggers and everything. But it was one day, like I said, God let, let it be exposed through one of our colleagues. And, you know, and from then it just, it just didn't set well. So did the interview. Uh, with her boss and after that I knew you know that things were a little wobbly so a couple of days ago uh, she gave me a call and she said well you know I need to let you know that uh, we decided to go with someone else uh, who had more experience uh, than you and I I, you know that kind of rubbed me the wrong way Uh, Because I'm like more experienced than designing and defining your operations. (laughs) I mean, if you got the author of the book, 
you know, can't be more experienced than that. But what she meant was it was someone who had worked in that field um, before and on the operations side. Uh, So when she said it, I just said, come on now. It has nothing to do with qualification. It has nothing to do with experience. It is simply because, you know, certain people don't want my type of personality. And I'm going to keep it at personality, but we know what's up. We know what was really, really going on. And all of us are brown girls, okay? So they're Hispanic. Um, One's from Costa Rica. One is uh, Hispanic here. I can't even remember where she originated from. Uh, And the rest of the girls are, you know, Caucasian. And then we had another one. The one that just walked off, she was Costa Rican. So we're all brown girls, but y'all know one brown ain't the same as black. And black ain't even the same as African-American. You know, an African-American sometimes ain't the same as, you know, Dawn from the block. (laughs) So, you know, so I was frustrated. I was so frustrated because I said it had nothing to do with experience or qualifications because I've proven you know, beyond any reasonable doubt that I am capable, more than capable of doing the job. So something else has to be behind this. And you know how the mind works. And and I got real upset. And, you know, the day that she shared that with me, I was already going through an emotional time because it was my grandbaby's birthday and um you know things have happened and I have not seen my grandbabies uh in months I haven't seen my oldest grandson uh since last year and I'm not about to cry but you know it's it's hurtful that the enemy is is using my children and and these babies mother mothers you know to to inflict this level of pain but I'm trusting God you hear me I am trusting God so anyway I'm dealing with all of this you know and 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 just fed up I'm fed up and and I'm like Lord I done been here done that the last attack I'm telling you about took me out you know so I'm like look I ain't even got it in me not to fight I'm not going to say I was numb because I felt it, but I was just so frustrated. So I got to the point. I said, look, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. I'm getting out of uh, this country. I can't stand nothing about it. And, And, you know, started fantasizing in my mind about you know, going somewhere far away and, and being away and, and being somewhere that is more accepting of, you know, black skin and, you know, just going through all of this mess, right? And the next day, I get up and I, I decide, I said, look, I'm not going to be bitter. I'm going to be better. You know, I'm not going to treat these people any different. I'm going to pray for them, you know, because <laughs> I feel sorry for them to, to, to be that. And, and also just knowing and understanding that uh, the action that they took against me, you know, was really that, 
that young lady triggering her shelf life with the organization, you know, because she's in over her head and a lot of the substance of what she was doing came behind, you know, my work and my effort. And and I guarantee you as sure as you can hear my voice, (laughs) that's over. Y'all paid me to come in and manage the project. And guess what? That's what I'm going to do. I'm not doing nobody else's work, but that's a different story. So I get up the next day and my brother-in-law came here uh, from Detroit uh, in preparation for a trip that, that they're going on this weekend. They're going to Gatlinburg. But anyway, he came in and and uh, from his last visit, I was sharing with him that we needed some some stuff done, you know, to my yard. And he said, well, when he come back, he'd come over and take a look and, you know, help me out. And so he came and um, I needed to go and grab some money out the bank, you know, because I said he came all the way here. You know, we going to pay him and, you know, be and, and pay him nicely, <laughs> you know because I appreciate just the fact that he would do this for me. So I'm going to the store and still got my little attitude. And still, I'm now at this point, I ain't just mad at uh, the job. I'm not just mad at racist people. I'm not just mad at uh, racially uh, biased people. I'm now mad at my kids. I'm mad at my husband. I'm mad at my family. I'm mad at his family. I'm just mad. I'm I'm like, ugh, I won't be bothered with nobody. And not only that, Lord, you got to get me out of this. Now, I done did everything the right way. I done loved those who hate me. I done turned the other cheek. I done helped my enemies. I gave them the shirt off my back. And as a matter of fact, some of my skin off my soul. So I have done what you have told me to do. And I'm so tired of getting back to this place. So guess what I did? You go to confession. I decided I was going to not rebel against God, but rebel against life. I said, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of this bad. I'm about to get up out of here. So I said, I I need a plan. I got to get me some fast fast cash. <laughs> and so I went, when I went to pull the money out for my brother-in-law, I pulled out an extra $100. And I looked at that $100 and I thought to myself, I said, you know what, I'm about to do this. I'm about to do it. I'm about to do it. I'm about to do it. And um, I, I was trying to calm myself down, so I went and got my little Starbucks and, you know, got what I needed. I still couldn't shake it. I said, no, mm-mm. I'm done. I'm done being the good girl. I'm about to do what I want to do. And I took 80 of those $100, and I put it, I got me uh, some lottery tickets, some scratch-offs. <laughs> I got me two $20 uh, scratch-offs, and then I got me some um, $2 scratch-offs. So y'all do the math. You know, it, it added up to $80. And I'm all the time, all the while, I'm thinking in my head, Lord, I ain't got no business doing this. But I did it anyhow. And I was mad. I said, look, if this don't work, <laughs> I'm going to tell them. 
because mind you, this is a work day. And I had, you know, took the time to go do this in the morning so I can get it out the way. And I was thinking to myself, I said, if, if this don't work, they better not come at me crazy because I may have something to say. And so <laughs> I scratched the first ticket, the $20 one, and and nothing. I mean, all, none of the numbers matched, nothing. I just was so sick. I was so sick in my stomach. I said, look at me. I done went out here and <laughs> wasted $80. And, and again, I got the baby. See, I, I could have went and got them something, you know. Anyway, I get to the second ticket. And I started reading it. And, you know, because I'm, I'm very strategic about stuff. So my little plan said, if you get a series of, of tickets off the same roll, eventually you're going to win, you know. I don't know nothing, but <laughs> anyway, I started scratching that ticket, and I get to the, you know, the, the first section, and it said, if you find two symbols that match, you get the amount underneath that symbol. So I scratch it, and I saw the amount, I said, ooh, Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, at least I have what I spent, you know, and a few extra dollars. All right, fine. I'm I'm good with it. Then I get down to the next section, and it's got a series of numbers, and you know, I scratched them off, and it said if you get uh if if you scratch off a winning number then you get the amount under that. So I said, ooh, okay. So I started scratching, and I had two winning numbers. And I said, oh, okay. (laughs) So I was kind of happy, you know, at that point. I said, okay, well, I got a few extra dollars, but I'm still, you know, my stomach. And y'all got to know me. When I'm doing something I know I ain't got no business doing, that's the that's the thing about having a, a moral compass, you know, because all the while my stomach aching, which, by the way, before I started scratching it off, I had locked my door because I ain't want nobody coming in and seeing me scratching those lottery tickets. And my husband, here he come. Why you got the door shut? <laughs> Go home. You know, but anyway, eventually he left, and you know, I'm scratching, I'm scratching, and so uh, I get to another section, and it said, Everywhere you see, uh, if you see a, a star symbol, you get that amount, if you see a uh, I think it was a stack of dollars uh, symbol, and it said, You doubled that amount. And then I don't know what the, the the money bag, it was a money bag on there. And it says you get something, but I ain't even get that far. I just got to the stars. And so I started scratching. I started scratching. And needless to say, I walked away from that thing, from, from that one alone. And I had like five stars and two uh numbers and uh 
one, you know, of, of the things that you match the two symbols. And I said, oh, Lord. Okay. <laughs> so let me get to these little $2 scratch-offs. I did the little $2 scratch-offs and, and you know, got, got half of my money back from that. But needless to say, you know, with that one ticket... I, I won so much money, and I ain't saying so much, so don't nobody try to come, you know, and, and, and what they say, murk me, because <laughs> it ain't that much. But but for me, you know, being a non-player or whatever, you know, and I, I took the ticket back up to the gas station, and the lady said she was so excited. She said, ooh, 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 you know. And uh, all the while, I'm thinking, Lord, have mercy. You know, had to repent and ask God to forgive me. You know, because my faith is in God. My trust is in God. And I know and understand, you know, that trials and tribulations come. And sometimes we go through stuff that, you know, through through no uh, uh, cause of our own. We go through things, and sometimes I feel like, you know, you, you got the folk that's waiting around. That's just, you know, they, they kind of prey on your pain, you know, and I don't mean P-R-A-Y. They P-R-E-Y on your pain, and, and sometimes people want to become common with you, so they want to poke holes in your armor. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You know, they want you to, they they have projected this image of you in their minds, you know, to be grander than life or larger than life. And to them, they want to see, you know, you come back down to where they feel that their, their level is. But, you know, some of us just ain't the same. We are not the same. Sometimes I just be want to tell people, we ain't the same. And, and not that I feel that I'm better than anybody, but come on now. You know, I worked hard to get to where I am, and I'm not looking for nobody to give me anything. I don't want what you got. I don't desire what belongs to you. We are not the same. I want to work for mine, and I want God to give it to me. And I, you know, went <laughs> and transgressed and did this little lottery ticket thing. But but I'm laughing because it was funny. You know, at the end of the day, you know, I was I was ready. I was so I'm telling you, I'm and, and some of y'all who know me, I'm brown skin. I'm not light skin and I'm not, you know, super, super dark. But I'm telling you, I was so mad I was red. I probably had a red uh, aura around me. I was so mad, you know, because you go through so much. You go through so much and you continue to forgive 70 times 7. You know, you try to forgive. And for me, the challenge comes, you know, when it's it's the, 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 um, and I'm slowing down because I'm trying to think of this this thing I saw earlier today. You know, they said the betrayal is worse when it's done, you know, from those that you love, your loved ones, those that are in your inner circle. Those are the ones that, you know, you love the most, you know, it hurts the most when it's them. And having gone through what I've been through this year, you know, with just rebellious, wayward children who, I mean, they had a point where 
they feel like they can tell me. You know, they want to tell you about yourself. Well, baby, you live to be myself. <laughs> and then you get to tell me. You know, you 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 try to raise a family. And, and I'm not by any means saying that I was perfect. I am perfectly imperfect. You know, I made some mistakes along the way. I've evolved as a human, you know, and as a person. And, and if I was to go back today... There are some things that I would do different and other things that I would do just the same. But I'm grateful to God, you know, for my children having their life, their health, their strength. I'm grateful to God that even as painful as this season is in my life, you know, it feels like they are ripping my heart out. And I know that it is a spiritual warfare. I know it's an attack. I know that it is nothing but a demonic attack. And when you yield yourself to the enemy, when you allow the enemy to use you, you you will do about anything. And he'll make you think that you're right. (laughs) He'll make you think that you are in the right and that you have a right. You know, I tell my children all the time, yes, 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 you got the right to do anything that you want to do, except define the consequences of your actions, because somebody every time is going to do that for you. Somebody every time, starting with the wages of sin and the gift of salvation, the consequences are already set. And see, you know, anybody that that want to tell me what kind of parent I am or what kind of parent I was. And, you know, there is some some deep brokenness, you know, that I can say that I struggle with a lot of times. I struggle, you know, because I went through some things. I went through, you know, just rejection and abuse and things like that. Went through a lot. So so sometimes you will see it. And you may inadvertently be rubbed by that. But trust and believe. I'm always protecting the best interests of my children. I am forever, forever trying to enhance the quality of their lives. And I may not be perfect. But I tell you one thing. My love for you is. My love for my children is perfect. So anyway... I don't even know why I went down that path because I really wasn't trying to. Um, other than to say, that's my confession. Prophetess went and, and played the lottery, and I shouldn't have, but I won me a little money. At least I could probably go get me some clothes. <laughs> go, get, go get me an ice cream with some sprinkles, you know. And, uh, Just ask God to forgive me for my moment of weakness and help me to deal with these people until my assignment is over because, you know, it's just, it's disheartening to to know that, you know, no matter what you do, you're going to run into these types of things, you know, and and that's why I feel it's so important that I write this book. And, and just purge it all all out but in the process of purging help others you know so that they can learn how to you know make their way through and, and be honest and transparent and not try to suppress or pretend 
that our feelings and our emotions are not our feelings or emotions. You know, a lot of these self-help books try to make people feel like, oh, you know, <laughs> you you ought not be angry or, or you ought not be bitter or upset. And, and what I'm saying is God gave us every emotion, every emotion, because the word of God says every good thing comes from the Lord. And sometimes those emotions be good. And so they are they are to be leveraged as tools and indicators of the actions that need to be taken. It's just like in our body, some of these aches and pains, you know, they don't feel good, but they are good. Because they are indicated, they tell us early on, you know, you you got that pain down in your abdomen, you better go get it checked out, you know, so that they can diagnose you and and treat you and and get you together. Same thing with our emotions. It's telling us what's paining us in our soulish realm, you know, what needs to be dealt with, you know, even in the natural. So anyway, I got a word for you. And I'm going to share it in part two. I'm going to share it in part two. And um, hopefully I make it through it. But I I got a word of encouragement. I just want to encourage you. If God can do it for me, he can do it for you. And I ain't talking about that lottery. Now, don't listen. Look, I I shared my confession. But I shared it not so y'all can go out there and play, play that lottery. I'm telling you right now, I shared it because, you know, I'm just being transparent and, you know, when your flesh get pricked, you know, you can have a moment of weakness, but, you know, it's funny to me. Uh, Now, it wasn't funny then, but it was funny how upset and angry I got. I was ready to leave all these jokers behind. (laughs) I was fantasizing. I saw my little island and everything. I was done and wasn't going to tell them a word and let y'all think I just vanished off of the face of the earth. But I said, Lord, I can't do it without no money. I need some money, you know, to get over this hump. And I, I even had the nerve to think about if I took you know, some money and just flew over to Hawaii. You know, I already been trying to uh, set up uh state over there and, and set up a house over there, you know, making some connections. I said, if I go on over there, a lot of those places are um, furnished. You know, I can go, <laughs> I, you know, just enjoy life you know, for the rest of my life. Because at the end of the day, all my children are grown or near grown. You know, my boys are about to be 18 years old. So when I eat a sandwich, that's the only one I got to feed. But see how the enemy do? They are my babies for life, and they're going to continue to be my babies. But anyway, all right, I better get into this word. But like I said, um, this this is kind of long, so I'm going to break it out into two segments and so i'll talk to you guys in a little bit love you much bye-bye